Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome back to Flipping Dreams. I'm your host, Heather Renee May, and we are rounding out episode 20 with Katie Miles. You get to meet Katie and hear all about her path from going from a naval officer to COO at a startup to a real estate entrepreneur, and then realizing her strength with finance and how she could provide valuable coaching to help everyone reach their retirement goals. Did you laugh with Ashley in episode 19? Well, Ashley and Katie are friends, and in this episode, you will find us laughing as much, if not more, and you will hear all these amazing, beautiful insights. We talk about gravesides and ghosts, building your runway, her armored agent course strategies, which include breaking old negative thoughts about money, and how we all deserve a brilliant future. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And again, you are listening to Flipping Dreams. Hi, Heather. Hey, Katie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a, a whirlwind of a week, but um, I'm just so excited that we were able to make this work out. Your background is crazy. Like yeah. I, I was reading your, it's, it, it's awesome. It, it's oh, like, thank you. done everything, like everything. Not yet. It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on all the things. Uh, also, I'm really tired. So like, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a really amazing journey so far. And I definitely, uh, yeah, I think, honestly, I think right now is uh, some of the best times of my life. I'm really like just feeling fulfilled. I'm digging in. I'm giving back in a lot of ways. And like, I, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's awesome. Oh, it's amazing. It was, it was so fun to, it's, I have a crazy background too. And so it's like, and I say crazy in the best way. I hope you do it. And and it's, um, so when I read, when I read other people who have done, like they've been in so many different industries and done so many different things. I'm like, I feel like you're my people. Yeah. (laughs) You know, my person. It's so true. Yeah. Because it's, it's so true because I think a lot of people, um, like it takes one to know one kind of thing, right? Like, you know, like people are always looking at me like, you know, oh, you reinvent yourself and like, it's so easy. I'm like, that's not easy, but I just do it and I do it a lot. (laughs) And, and so, but I think that like, yeah, for sure. When I meet people, because most of the time when I start to give people like, where are you from? I'm like, do you have a map? Cause it's like a lot, there's a lot going like how much time do you have where, where do i start yeah <laughs> like yeah and then about like you know a, a 5 minutes in they're like reg- regretting they asked me that question most of the time and so when i do meet people that have like really interesting lives and they've made changes and they've taken risks and they've done things i'm like oh my god yes yes you get me you understand like this is yes. 
yeah, I'm not running from things. I'm running to life. Like this is life. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. So I'm, I was like, so excited reading your bio. I'm like, Yay. oh, this is going to be so fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So, okay. Um, I mean, welcome to flipping dreams. We just, we kind of like just, I know, just right in. This is great. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so Katie, I want you to tell me about your journey, um, cause you have a lot of really interesting twists and turns, and then I'm going to dig into your armored agent course. I really mm-hmm. want to hear about that. I have a lot of, I really loved, um, reading ahead of time and like, you know, just, yeah, you're doing some amazing things. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, so now I'm like, like, where do I begin? Great. Um, well, we have an hour, so you can just, you know. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> well, I guess, um, I, I, wait, I guess I'll just start professionally. Yeah. So it's, um, it's hard to believe, but like I have it's 14 years of professional experience, but it's all over the place. And like, my journey has been full of twists and turns and full of, of surprises and things I never, ever would have expected. Um, my first gig coming out of college was actually in the military. So I was, I was in the United States Navy. I was a Naval officer and I did that for six years. And if anybody knowing me growing up, they would probably find that to be really, really funny because like I came from a military family. My dad's Served, my grand, my granddad's like it come from that background, but I never ever saw that as something that I would do. Like had a lot of respect for the service, but just never thought it was something I would do. Um, and then it came time for college, and my dream school was the University of Notre Dame. Like that's where I wanted to go mm. since I was a little kid. That's what I worked for. And when it came time to like I got in, and then I got I, we started running numbers right as a family and looking at the the tuition. And I realized, holy smokes, like, I can't, I can't afford this. And we, at that time in my, in my family that we didn't have money for college. So I was like, well, do I, do I give up and go to a different school? Do I find another way or do I find a way to make this dream work? Mm-hmm. And suddenly the military was looking really great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. It's like suddenly these options that I like, I remember looking at my dad in high school and going like, dad, like, come on, like, do you see me being in the military? And suddenly you're considering these options that you never would have before because you're just trying to make a dream happen, right? Totally. I will do, I'll do anything to make this work. So, um, so I, I earned a Navy ROTC scholarship. And so that's what, yeah. So the deal is they send you to school, you do your four years, you graduate and get commissioned. So that's what I did. So suddenly I'm like gung ho going to be in the Navy. Some first gig out of college, six years active duty. Uh, um, uh-huh. It's again, it's amazing where life takes you. Cause I never, I never would have thought I would do that. But to this day, some of my greatest adventures in life, some of my best friends are from those six years when I mm-hmm. served. So it kind of set the tone and laid the foundation for that sense of adventure in a career that I never. And what, had. What was that like? Like, um, did you, did you get to travel a lot or were you stationed in a specific place or? Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, my first duty station, I was on the USS Germantown, uh, which is, um, an amphibious warfare ship, uh, based out of, at that time they were based out of San Diego, California. So I got to live in California for a few years, loved San Diego, um, an amazing part of the country. Um, and I deployed on that ship twice. And then my, 
next gig, if you will, I actually volunteered for an assignment with the Army. So I was still active duty Navy. At that time uh, where we were in the world, um, things were really heating up in Afghanistan. Um, that this was 2009 timeframe. And at that time, the Army was looking for volunteer forces from both the Navy and the Air Force to supplement their manpower on the ground. Okay. So yeah. I being just kind of up for an adventure, if you will, and wanting to kind of mix things up, I volunteered for an assignment. And um, so I, I deployed to Kandahar, Afghanistan in early 2009. And oh. I was there for almost a year. Oh. Um, yeah, came home in January 2010. And that- What was like, that like? Oh my gosh. It, As a woman um, being there too. I mean, like, I just, yeah, I'm fascinated. Yeah, it was- um, it was, it was, it was an experience. I'm, I tell people when people ask this question now, it's always, it's kind of complicated to answer because I'm so glad I did it. It's an experience that I'm, I'm so glad and grateful I did it. And I'm grateful for the perspective in life it gave me. But when it was time to come home, I was ready. <laughs> I, I was bet. ready to come I home. Bet. I was there for almost 10 months. And um, I came home in January, 2010. Um, that assignment gave me again, at that time in, in that conflict, um, there were so many, it was, it was, um, it was hard. It was really hard being there. We lost a lot of service members while we were over there. And, um, it gives you a, when you see this sounds super dramatic, but I think it's kind of true. When, when you see uh, men and women going home in body bags, when you see that you never take life for granted ever, ever again. And I don't say that, I don't say that lightly. It, um, it forever gave me a sense of even on my worst days here to this day, you know what, over 10 years later that I've been home, even on the worst days here, we have an obligation to live life with gratitude because not everybody made it home. And we have an obligation to go after and pursue happiness and pursue fulfillment and pursue things in life that give us purpose and meaning and that serve and do good for other people because there are lots of people who don't get, they didn't make it home. They yeah. don't get to live this life. They don't get to enjoy the freedoms that we have here. So um, again, going through that experience then, and it's again, it's been 10 years since I've been home and I still, I can go back to this place and feel it so intensely. Um, but yeah. I am so grateful that I did that assignment. Absolutely. That's so amazing. And it's those moments, it's those pivotal moments in our life that really shape like our mission statement, our personal vision statement of like where we yeah. want to go and like what what is important to us and what success is to us. Because exactly. because I think it, it definitely changes. Like, you know, when you grow up and you have this idea, okay, success is going to Notre Dame or like getting the A's or getting this or whatever, making this much money and having the 2.5 kids and the whatever. But, but the thing is, it's like, when you are in facing those dramatically intense life and death situations um where it just puts life in a different perspective mm -hmm. i mean it's what a gift to yeah. be able to see that and come back and bring back like this um this mission of trying to like do good and like you know mm -hmm. make a difference that's that's awesome Yes. And just live and truly just live life with heart and purpose because that's, that's what matters at the end of the day. Yeah, And yes. when, and you living and being your best self, you're, you're shining light for other people to do the same. Like you're giving them permission 
And right. I think that's that's one of the things like I try to highlight with my conversations. I mean, I don't have to work hard because I have great guests. But like, you know, I try to like highlight this idea that like it's not just one person and, it, you know, there's not just, you know, one like everyone can reach the top of the summit mm-hmm. and we all need to be there. Like we all need each other. And and the more the merrier. So Absolutely. yeah. Oh, oh my. I. I love that you said that, that we can all reach the top of the summit. And this, like, this is jumping way forward in my career timeline. And I know that we'll like, I know we'll get into this, but um, when I got into real estate years later, my very first broker, um, he ran, so I started my real estate career in Philadelphia and Mm -hmm. my real estate broker there ran his office with that, with that mentality, that abundance mentality of, listen, we can all be successful in this office. It's not a zero sum game where if, you know, in order for me to win, you have to lose. Like I have to put you down to elevate me like that, that, that was not tolerated in that very first sales office that I worked in. And the beauty of that was that he created this team of independent contractors. We were all running our own businesses, but we had this sense of family, of teamwork, of helping each other out, of constantly providing coaching and mentorship and helping each other because we all wanted to make it. We all yes. wanted to be um, to be really, really good in real estate. And quite frankly, we were. <laughs> we were. There was room for everybody. So that that abundance mentality, I think whatever industry you're in, whatever you're working on, it is so crucial. It's critical to your success, to be lifting others around you up. Absolutely. And I think we think of it like in terms of like, so there's certain careers or like areas that are more competitive than others. Like the arts is pretty competitive. Sales, of course, is super competitive. Um, And so like, but what's interesting is I think that, like you said, it can be applied to any area. Like there is abundance everywhere. And I I think that... um, the more that we're having these conversations and the more this is getting out there and over the waves, (laughs) I feel like people are starting to pick up that, you know, they're starting to debunk the zero sum myth. Like they're starting to realize that this is not the way this doesn't bring happiness. This doesn't make you more successful that in fact, you could be even more successful if everyone, if you lift everyone up, it's, exactly. It's better. I mean, like it's better for everyone. Like it's not fun and it's more, yeah. Fun and you're not lonely because you stomped on people on your way up. <laughs> or worried about, oh no, they're going to come catch up to me and then they're going to stomp me. I mean, it's like, it's a neurotic way to live. It's not good. It's just, not good. It's not listeners, good. just don't do it. Just don't yeah, do it. Just don't. <laughs> just, just have more fun. Enjoy yeah. life more than yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. So funny. let's, so I let's get back. Yeah, no, this is great. Yeah. This is great. So, um, okay. So you come back from Afghanistan. And you, you are looking at life with a different perspective. What do you do then? Yeah. So to completely came back, just, just, just renewed and invigorated and just like ready to keep living life with purpose. Right. And so 2010, I knew that I had one tour um, in the Navy left. I decided to stay on for two more years and I was going to work on my, getting my master's, uh, getting my MBA um, while transitioning out of the military. So moved from San Diego to Chicago, um, cold and so so cold. Oh my. And I knew that, like I went to school in the Midwest. So like I knew, but man, I had forgotten. I had forgotten how cold that first winter back. I'm like, what am I doing? I was in San Diego last year. Um, but 
moved to Chicago, like en enrolled uh, in, in University of Chicago at, in, in their program, their MBA program. Uh, so did that program part-time in the at night, so like nights and weekends, um, while working at Great Lakes Naval Station, uh, which is outside of Chicago. So spent the next two years kind of balancing these, the, it was like part military life, part civilian life as I made this transition. Mm. So then when I transitioned out of service, graduated with my MBA, I, I uh, um, my first job was actually with a small retail startup uh, that a friend from grad school was starting. So I helped her bootstrap her company off the ground for about nine months after. Um, and we can get a little bit more into this, but with that kind of startup, a very shaky startup environment, this was where a lot of my, um, my money beliefs were really tested. And this is where, and it's funny when you look back at life and you, when you're in it, you don't always see it, right? You're just trying to you're just navigating. But when you look back, you see how all the dots are connected. Mm -hmm. This was a point in my life when some of my very like serious money impressions were made, but I didn't realize it until years later. Okay. So wow. I work at this startup for a little under a year. It was a bit of a, personally, it was a bit of a, a bumpy ride financially. We can get more into that. But from there I transitioned into, I was ready for something more stable. So I transitioned into a very traditional buttoned up corporate procurement role, role at a pharmaceutical company. And okay. that role took me to Philadelphia. So I'm working retail startup in Chicago and very quickly transitioned to pharmaceutical procurement. Wow. Okay. In Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can unpack that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a little different. That's a little jump. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just yeah. A little jump. Yeah. Um, so what was interesting about that transition, I will say this, um, at first coming out of the military, I thought, okay, like I'm going to live in Chicago. Chicago is my city. This is the way that life is going to be now. And it's so funny how it turns out because I realized after living in Chicago for a few years, it's a fabulous city. I have incredible friends there. I love going back and visiting to this day, but it, something didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Something didn't feel right. And you can kind of feel it in your gut. You know, you feel it rising and I tried to, tried to push it down for a bit, but it just kept bubbling up till finally I went, you know what? I think I need to try something else. And this opportunity came to work at this pharmaceutical company in Philadelphia. I didn't know anybody in Philly. Actually, that's not true. Wow. That's not true. I had one acquaintance. I had one friend of a friend uh, who I had met through, um, through another, you know, through another friend. And, but we were acquaintances at, at best and she's a great friend to this day, but we didn't really know each other that well at that point. She's the only person I knew in Philly when I decided, you know what, I'm going to take this job and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to make, I'm going to make the leap and just make it happen. Um, I, love so that. I moved to the East coast, had no idea what I was doing, found an apartment in this city uh, that I knew nothing about and started working this, again, this very traditional nine to five corporate job. Um, so this life stage was interesting because it was another leap of, I had already taken a leap of faith from the military to the civilian world, tried my hand at working at a startup in Chicago. Um, and so this was a, just another transition to something totally unfamiliar. So. Yeah. Which yeah. is awesome. I mean, like, so, um, I love that you were like unafraid. Well, you might've been afraid, but you still did it. 
Totally. Oh, yeah. totally. And that's so funny too, because people think like they think that you go through these phases and you're and you're fearless. It's not. I was totally feeling all the feels. Yes. <laughs> I yes. Fear. I felt doubt. I felt. Well, can I make this work? I don't know. I'm moving to a city. I'm moving from a city where I know so many people. My network is here to a place where I don't know anyone. Of course I was afraid, but I just, there was something deeper. I don't know how to describe it. It was just something deeper in me going, you're, it's time. You just need to try this. And you can always move back if it doesn't work out. Yeah. And, and I love that idea that, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in changing your scenery will change your life in so many ways. And like when I was, I was living in New York for like 12, 12 and a half years. And when I finally ran out of money, <laughs> I'm Been like, <laughs> I, yeah, I literally took out a map and I was like, where have I not lived yet that I should, you know, where can I? And so I started applying for jobs in Charlotte, North Carolina and in Boston. And I ended up getting this job for a software company in Boston, did not know anyone in Boston, had never even visited. And I was like, well, okay, let me find a room to rent and let me go just move to Boston and just drive North and here we go. But nice. I, I think, but it totally, um, there's, there's some sort of freedom also when you do that, because you are changing, you're shifting your perspective and shifting like up so many things. And it's super nerve wracking. Um, anytime you move is so stressful, but it's also an opportunity to like paint your why again, like just like figure out like who, okay, what are my dreams? Like, what was I trying to do? What am I trying to do? And let me like, let me like draw this picture again and let me start fresh with this different like, like scenery yeah. and different people and different accents and like really I'm not a fan of Dunkin Donuts coffee sorry but like anyway <gasps> all right let's see I gotta go, I, gotta go. I was like where are the Starbucks I was like why is the Dunkin Donuts everywhere where are my Starbucks yeah <laughs> okay I'll edit that out wait we're still friends we're still good we're like we're still no. friends yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now that we're talking about coffee, which is one of my favorite topics, um, <laughs> I miss the coffee that I used to get um, from the carts, the street carts in New York. Yeah. I really miss like where you get your little paper cup with the little Greek logo or whatever that in the yeah. and a couple napkins on top, and they wrap it in a brown bag, and you go get on the subway and. Anyway, did you have like your like your like bodega, like your one that you oh, went to? And, like, oh yeah, yeah, you have yeah. yeah all the and of course like everyone yeah. knows everyone. I mean, New York is for as big as it is and at eight million people or whatever it is now. Um, I had more friends and more of a sense of community uh, in New York. It was just yeah, it was, it was just it was just time for me to go. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a small town girl at heart, and it just was time for me to go. But anyway, okay, exactly. we digress. So where are we? Where are we on your journey? We are, where are we? We're getting we are, coffee, and yes, we are... so we're getting coffee in Philly. Yeah, so we're yes. <laughs> so we're in we're in Philly. I'm so I'm at this I'm at this corporate job, and so, and again, professionally, some of the skills that I learned there, I wouldn't trade for the world. You know, that was my first actual like real corporate job, post military. I learned all about contract management. Um, that was like the biggest takeaway in that role. So there was, it was, it was, a, it was a great professional experience from there. But 
about a year in to this role, I knew I'm like, again, something isn't, it's like, I feel closer, but something isn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing, I think that two things that came out of the Philadelphia chapter of my life that I am so grateful for. One, it's where I met my husband, actually. So it's, nice. I moved to this city that I don't, where I don't know anybody. And I remember going in thinking just like, I'm going to be open-minded. I'm going to, I'm going to make great friends here. I'm going like, like you said, a change of scenery can just be so inspiring in a different way. I remember going in and thinking, I'm going to just do things differently and be more open. And I met my husband uh, within a few months of moving there. And so it was, it was neat to actually grow in that chapter. He was learning Philadelphia too. So we, it's like, we got to know this really cool city. It became ours and we learned it together. Oh, that's Uh, awesome. So see, that was worth it right there. Oh, completely, completely worth it. Um, And then the other big thing professionally, when I, when I started to realize, okay, this, this particular role, corporate procurement while lucrative, it's not, it's, I'm not happy. It's not my thing. Um, that's when real estate started to really take hold in my mind. So real estate had always been a part of my life. My mom was a realtor back in the eighties. Um, and it's quick side note on her. My, when my mom was like back in the eighties, she was a heyday, like awesome realtor, like really, really good at her job. And when she was pregnant with me, um, and actually going into labor, she prospected the delivery doctor who delivered me. So he happened to mention to her, like while she's laboring, oh, like I'm, I need your realtor. Like I need to list my house for sale. So my mom like got to work and she started like pitching to him about all the reasons why he should give her the listing. And when I was born within a couple hours after, no joke, my mom gave him a listing contract and he signed it and she listed his house for sale. So- Oh my God, that is, that my mom is passion. Like she was like a real estate boss. She was really good. So she had always been passionate about real estate. Um, she does a lot of real estate investing on the side, always has. So I, I grew up with real estate kind of always being in the background mm-hmm. of life, right? Like my mom had rental properties and that kind of thing. So I, it was always an interest, but I didn't really think it could be something that I could do full time. I, I don't know why, but just, I just thought, well, you know, it's kind of like a thing in the background, but it's not going to be a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. So when I'm at this procurement job in Philly, that voice is getting louder and louder and louder, and I can't ignore it. And I finally, I reached a point where I thought, you know, I'm not, yes, I have a stable job. Yes. It's a great six figure job. Like I've got a lot of income coming in, but I'm miserable every day. Yeah. yeah. So I put together a plan and I said, okay, I'm going to, I, I probably, I prepped to become a full-time realtor for about six, seven months before actually taking the leap. Um, I, I went to my job every day while working on licensing, like all the mm-hmm. classes and stuff at nighttime. Um, I saved money because it was really important to me to have a really big runway financially built up. Um, and yeah, I, I like for that. About, I like that yes. runway. I like <laughs> runway. that image. That's, that's great. It's runway is so important. And that's what I know we'll get into it, but like, that's what, when I coach, when I coach agents, when I coach my clients now, I'm all about what is your runway? How long can you last? Um, and there are, <laughs> how long you last? because not only just the financial and numbers, but the emotional side. Yeah. Right. Cause if you don't, 
if you don't have enough runway, you're going to be feeling the stress. So it's like, how can you minimize as much of that stress from the outset? Yes. As possible? I know we'll get into all that. Yes. Yes. I'm oh, excited. Um, but I yeah. also, can I just note for a second though, that one of the things I'm loving that I'm hearing that you keep repeating is this idea that you kept hearing, you kept listening to your gut and you kept hearing these voices. I mean, you know, I, I just love that like your true passions and your true like compass will always point out things. You just have to really pay attention. And I love that you were so in tune with yourself that you were like, ah, this is good, but, ah, but, you know, and you kept working towards like having that resonate a little bit more, more closely, more truthfully. Absolutely. It's, um, I think it's a shame when I, well, I, I think, how do I say this? I think that ev- everybody really, really knows what they actually want to be doing in life. They have a feeling they have it in their gut. Sadly, I think that most people don't listen to it mm-hmm. and they go through life, just ignoring it and pressing those feelings down and just getting through the motions. And I think it was one of my, one of my favorite quotes, it's actually a different favorite quote. I have, I have another quote I'll share with you, but okay, good. one of my favorite quotes from Les Brown. Um, and he says, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but he says the richest place in the world is the graveyard because it's where all the dreams of people who, people who have passed all their unrealized dreams, it's where they lay now. And it's very sobering when you think about that. And he has this analogy, Les Brown has this analogy of imagine being on your, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Imagine being on your deathbed and you're surrounded by the ghosts of all those unrealized dreams. So like if you had a dream of becoming an award-winning realtor, if you had a dream of writing a New York Times bestseller, if you had a dream dream of becoming a multimillionaire, if you had a dream of having a family and you put it off, if you had a dream of traveling the world, whatever those dreams are, but imagine them, the ghosts of those dreams surrounding you on your deathbed. And they're looking at you saying, we came to you because you're the only one who could make it happen. And now we have to die with you. I know I, I get, I mean, I get goosebumps repeating it. And when you think about that, um, when you think about your dreams as being, it's not just a dream, it's actually an obligation and you owe yourself the opportunity to go pursue it and at least try to make it happen. When you think about it as a duty and an obligation, it completely shifts how you approach life and and what you'll do. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that like we keep hearing, I think there's this myth that you're selfish if you're only thinking about your dreams in your life. And I, and I, totally push back on this because I am a firm believer that when you are, when you are going for your dreams, you're actually helping other people. Like you literally are paving the way. Sometimes it's a mentoring position. Sometimes it's like random people, like the words that are coming out of your mouth, the energy that is vibing off of you, that you are actually helping other people more than if you were going to not live your dreams and, and do what everyone expects you to do. So I think that's a bunch of crap. (laughs) <laughs> I, it is a bunch of crap. I totally, totally agree because you, everybody has a gift that they need to put out into the world and it could be anything, right? But if you don't put it out there or at least try in a way, that's, that's the selfish thing. That's the selfish thing by not putting it out there so that someone else can get value from you and benefit from what you're putting out. Yes, totally. Right? Totally. And, and I think too, like, again, I always talk about like this idea that like, there can be millions of best-selling 
novels on the New York Times bestseller list. There can be like, you know, like we have this idea that like that scarcity, like mindset of like, there's one, like you have to be the best at one thing and do it and that's it. It's like, oh my God, no, like we all can do the same thing. You and I could each write a book right now and I can guarantee that we could both be really successful and we would both, it would have a completely different reach because we are writing it from our own experiences, our own life, our own voice. Like the book would matter. Like both books would matter. Do you know? Like, I, I don't even know. I'm not making that clear, but like this no, idea. You <laughs> yeah. You are making it clear. And you know what? It's funny because some like people will say, well, like, what's your favorite book or what are you reading right now? And so often people can't just have one answer. They're like, oh, well, I have all these favorite books or I'm reading all these different things because they're serving different purposes in my life. So to your point, exactly right. We can both write a book, but we're coming from our own perspectives, our own stories, our own journeys, and they're going to resonate differently. Yes. Either with different people or even with the same person. It doesn't. So absolutely. And all abundance. Yes. And same with music, same with anything, anything creative. And that's why I always think like, I think that the words, like I might write a song today that is going to touch a certain person. It's it's meant to touch a certain person. And someone else might listen to it and be like, no, I didn't get anything. But someone else might listen to it and be like, oh my God, that's what I've been needing to hear. I'm like, that just validates everything I feel. And like, you know, and like, I feel connected. And like, that's the point. Like we all, we all have our own energy that we need to really honor. And I love that when you were talking about honoring, like honoring your dreams, honoring the thing that, that was put into you that, you know, yeah. That only you can do. Yes. Wow. Yes. Although, although I was thinking I was going to be a bit of a smarty pants when you were talking about the grave site. Uh, and I was like, yeah, but what if you were buried at sea? <laughs> do they just float around? <laughs> but then I was like. <laughs> Touche. Touche. True. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Floating, floating skeletons and dreams. Okay. Yes. This is great. This is great. Okay. So, um, yeah, so where are we? I yeah. know I'm having like the best, this is the best conversation. The most- I, oh, we do. That's great. Um, okay. Real estate. So real we- estate. Yes, we are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I planned the transition from the stable job to the real estate world because again, and when you work in real estate as a, as a traditional realtor, mo- a lot of people don't know this, but realtors are independent contractors. They are 1099. So they, they are not. So like I went to work at Coldwell Banker. I was not an employee at Coldwell Banker. I was a 1099 independent contractor who hung my license with them, which means when you're in real estate, it's 100% commission. So to prepare for that, you know, I, I saved up, I had, I had six months of expenses in the bank before I even started. I prepared for like six, seven months, just planning out how the transition would work. Um, and in August of 2015, that's when I put in my two week notice at my job and worked those two weeks. And I remember leaving the safe job on a Friday and starting day one of, they called it real estate boot camp <laughs> on that following Monday. Wow. That's um, so exciting. It was off to the races. So, yeah. And it was off to the races. So, I sold real estate in Philadelphia for two years and I had, I had two driving goals, driving whys. And when I work with clients now, I tell them the why of whatever you're doing, the why is so critical because that is going to be the thing that keeps you going on the really, really crappy days. 
on the days when you're like, screw this, this is overwhelming. I'm not making any money. There are no clients. My deals are falling apart. You know, so you have to have the most compelling why. So you get up every day and you're ready to face it. Mm -hmm. Um, so my why is at that time, um, one, I was again, really inspired by my total boss mom from her real estate days. And my mom had been the rookie of the year, 1984 at her brokerage. So I was like, that's it. Like, I'm going to be this year's rookie of the year. Like that was my driving thing. And I, I just figured, you know, if I'm, if I'm good enough to be rookie of the year, I'll have sold some real estate concept that I can make it in this world. Um, Because it's something like 90% of new realtors don't make it past their first year. So I was like, Mm -hmm. how am I going to be in that 10%? I'm going to be the rookie of the year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the other driving why, um, by this point, I literally the same week that I, that I started real estate, I got engaged, which is great and exciting. And I also went, now we have a wedding to pay for. How are we going to pull this off? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, wow. So it was like those two things at that time were my just driving wise. I'm going to be rookie of the year and I'm going to pay cash for this wedding because we, again, getting back to the money side, we, I, I refused to finance a wedding. I refused to go in debt. I was going to pay cash for it. So I'm like, we're going to do this. So if I make a thousand dollars, we're having a thousand dollar wedding. Nice. If I make more nice. than that, then we can spend more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was definitely motivating. Uh, for sure. That is yeah. awesome. So, um, so that first year I, I worked my tail off and hustled. I also, I worked really hard to just learn as much as I could. Um, and a year later paid for our, a year and a half later, I should say paid for our wedding in full. And I had sold 20 homes in my first year of real estate and oh. I won rookie of the year. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. So it's like, I did it. So you, so you got awesome. lobster, not hot dogs. <laughs> I got you. Exactly. Exactly. We had, we had delicious lobster. <laughs> so we, um, my dream was to get married actually in California in a vineyard. And so that was, that's what we did. Yep. In 2016. Uh, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah. But I'm sure that you had to really keep, I love the whole thing of going back to the why, because I'm sure during that year and a half when you were, you know, trying to reach that goal, there were many moments like it's great to look back and be like, yeah, I did that. I nailed that. I knocked that out of the park. But during while you're in it, um, I'm sure there were moments where you were like, oh, gosh, what have I done? Oh, why am I doing this? Exactly. Well, I didn't, <laughs> the first two months in, I didn't I didn't get my first deal until about two months in. So those first two months I'm going, you know, is it going to work? Is it going to work? Is it going to work? And then once I had that first deal, it's like, okay, now build on that. Right. Mm. But it was definitely a mind game and a lot of ups and downs that entire year. And even, even in the middle of that year, when I closed more deals, um, it was, there were definitely times when I thought this is too overwhelming. There's too much going on or there's not enough going on, or you close a bunch of homes and then you don't have anything in your pipeline. So then you're working to fill the, the pipeline again. So learning how to be more consistent, how to generate uh, leads more consistently, how to manage your money during that time. And this time in my career, and this is again, where it's funny, you look in hindsight and you know, all the, all the dots are, are connecting. Mm-hmm. This is when I first began to notice um, 
where a lot of independent contractors are not good financially and are not good with their money. So I knew I had always been very, um, honestly, I've been very, very prudent. I'm a, I'm a total numbers nerd. I love my spreadsheets. I am such a planner and I had always planned everything to a T. Okay. And so I assumed that every business owner, that every independent contractor was doing the same thing. And I was really shocked to get into this world of sales and to see so many incredible sales professionals. I mean, people who are so good at what they do, they know how to prospect, they know how to talk to clients, they know how to walk with clients on the purchase journey and how to close effectively and how to negotiate. They do it all so well, but when they get that commission check, they don't know what to do with it and they blow it. And the stories of, of, being in deep credit card debt of owing thousands to the IRS because they hadn't paid taxes of um, spending thousands on chasing marketing silver bullets and hoping to find the next thing that was going to save their business. And then being just so deeply in debt, those kinds of stories I started hearing all the time when I was selling. And that's when my wheels started turning of, you know what independent contractors need, they need, formal business counseling. They need some of this education. Mm. And so that at that, I didn't start armored agent then, but looking back, that's when I realized, okay, that's when the wheels were turning in my head of there's something here. There's something here because it's not enough in sales just to know how to make the commission. It's not enough to know how to close a deal and make money. It's then what do you do with that money on the back end once yeah. you have it? Yeah, for sure. And probably balancing out like how much you're willing to spend to chase or to try to make the, the things work. Like there's many different ways to skin a cat, peel an egg. I don't know, pick a metaphor, but like, yeah, there's, there's, (laughs) there's many, many different ways to do things. Right. And, and, you know, I, I do see that a lot in businesses that people think, well, just throw more money at it, throw more money at marketing, throw more money at this. And that doesn't always work. No, no, it's the, not at all. Or, or I see a lot, um, people will invest in something and they think, well, I'm already investing X amount of money per month. It's not really working, but I'm already doing it. So I'm just going to keep doing it. So it's, it's, it's not calculating the ROI. It's not really looking at your expenses objectively and going, what can I cut? Because it's no longer serving me. Um, so it's, it's sometimes it's helping, it's helping agents or other independent contractors, helping them see, you know what, in order to make room for what is going to work in your life, you have to shed some of the excess baggage now. And that's okay. That's part of that process. That's part of getting that cat. Or what did yeah. you say? Peeling the egg? Or, yeah. The I don't egg. know. I was like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm going to start using that now. That's how you peel the egg. <laughs> I just made that up. It's great. It's great. But it's true. It's some, sometimes in order to make room for what is supposed to happen next, you yeah. have to shed some of the current. You have to really look at it and go, what can I cut to make room for where I'm supposed to go? And that's in all aspects of life. Really. I was just going to so say that, and money. That, 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 that that's just exactly like the idea of flipping your dreams too, of like, you know, sometimes what you did in the past, it may not be serving you anymore. Like you may need to like, let that go, let that die. And like, rekindle or refocus and like shift things and take a risk into a different area or whatever. Like, you know, we, we cling to our past with such fervor 
But um, I, I think there, there, there should be a, a respect and a love for our past, but we need to move forward. You have to move into the future. Like you can't. I think it's a fear of failure or people think, well, if I let it go, even though, even though, even if it's already not working, if you officially let it go, that, then it's official. Then it's, oh, it's, I failed at that. But no, I mean, some of the most incredible things in our life happen because of a perceived failure. I, you know, we didn't really talk about this much, but when I left Chicago, when I left that startup and, and, and you know, there were a lot of lessons learned from that time in my life, but I remember leaving that chapter and actually feeling like a failure and going to Philly excited for the next chapter, but feeling like I had left Chicago on a bad note, or it just, you know, I felt like a failure, but that had to happen in my life to move forward. I had to leave Chicago to find my husband in Philadelphia, to find the courage to be able to go to real estate. Mm -hmm. None of that would have happened had I not had that perceived failure. Absolutely. So it's, it, it's absolutely being willing to almost honor and celebrate when you know it's time to change something. Yes. And, and yes. And not be afraid to just like do it. You may not know what it's going to look like. Actually, I would say probably 99.9% of the time, you're not going to know what it looks like. Right. Like you'll have no idea. And right. so you can, you can like for the planners, for the perfectionists, I'm a recovering perfectionist for the perfectionists out there who are like yeah, trying to like, you know, see down the road and paint five years from now, what it's going to look like. I can guarantee it's not going to look the way we paint it, but, um, that's so true. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, that's okay. Just still go for it. Just, just take action. And I, I'm such a firm believer in just taking the steps because you will yeah. be met. You're met along the way with exactly what you need. Um, yeah, just think if oh, you I hadn't left, think if I'm you really hadn't left Chicago, Great. like, you know, how different. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's mm. so true. <laughs> so yeah. So okay. So where were we? <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So we talk, we talk I know this is awesome. This is I love great. it. And you you became rookie of the year, and yeah, you started exactly. seeing you know. And I think I think we're gonna. I think we should start digging in a little bit more with your armored agent. Yeah. So about, yeah. So, so real estate was going well in Philadelphia. And then we, we moved, we picked up and moved. Uh, my, my husband got a great job opportunity out here in Colorado. So we moved to the Denver area about three years ago. I kept my license active, kept it with Coldwell Banker and started selling real estate um, in the Boulder, Colorado area, mm -hmm. and then sold real estate and then joined the management team. And so this is when things really, really got interesting. So I joined the Coldwell Banker management team. I'm helping, um, I'm assisting and running a couple of these different offices. And one of the major functions of a branch manager is to coach um, in sales training and sales coaching and business planning for all of the agents. And this is when it really, really started to click. How perfect I, for you. It How was perfect. crazy. Like, so, so the hunches I was having in Philadelphia about, wow, a lot of realtors, they know how to make money, but they're terrible at keeping it. Like yeah. those hunches were confirmed in my coaching sessions with these agents because um, we started doing business coaching, which inevitably turned into money coaching. Because when you're an independent contractor, when you're trying to build something, inevitably they it's all, it all together. Right. And so, so many of my agents 
would come into my office and some of them would start crying. They'd be visibly stressed. They're upset. And easily 90% of the problems traced back to money. And then for a lot of them, unfortunately, money mismanagement, it became this mentality of, well, I can, I can spend and spend and spend, and I've got to keep up with the Joneses and I've got to have the latest car and I've got to present this image. So I'm spending money, spending money, spending money, getting into debt, not taking care of my obligations, but then this mentality of, well, I just need the next commission check, just the next one, because that commission check will take care of all of my past behavior. But the thing is, it doesn't, because if you don't root out the issues of why you're spending the way you are, if you don't bring out that discipline in yourself to go, okay, I'm going to take the time to root out my negative money scripts, to really dig into my money memories, my relationship with money, what, how, and what I associate money with. If you don't do that hard work, your spending's never going to change. And so what I do now, I did it with Coldwell Banker, and now I've launched Armored Agent, my course and my business. I coach agents on tackling their money mindsets. So my goal, and I say agents, I work with realtors, I work with independent contractors of all types, small business owners, not just in the real estate space, but the idea is how can we flip your negative money scripts? How can we dig into how your past money memories and impressions influence your behaviors now? And then taking all that knowledge, how can we create a dynamic budget that works for you? How can I teach you to really understand and assess the ROI on what you're spending money on? And how can I change your relationship with money so that you can grow wealth for yourself? I love That's this. what I do. <laughs> I love this so much because I think that we are so, money is such an emotional issue oh, for so, so many people, me included. And I think that like um, this idea, it's like you can, you can learn discipline, but until you like finally figure out like, why when you get that commission check that you need to spend it really quickly because it might not it might go away or you know why like where that comes from like why you have this like what happened to you when you were younger or your family situation or right. whatever values were passed on or or just yeah all the negative thoughts about money that we have i mean we associate it's amazing how much it's such that oh, this is fascinating i i love this it's so it, it the majority of people it is fascinating because they don't realize how much our past influences how we handle money now i mean a, a very very quick example um growing up my i watched my parents go full circle in their money journey so they made a lot of money they spent more money than they made and then they had to fix the situation and they did successfully like my parents have both grown incredible um, legacies for themselves. They've done a fabulous job, but I watched them as a child go full circle through that process. So even to this day that I had to watch them get out of credit card debt. Even now I have a healthy fear of credit cards. I do use them and we're great with our credit cards, but I use them very sparingly. And it's, 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 it's interesting though, but I had to, I didn't understand that money script in myself until I took the time to look back and go, well, why am I so weird around credit cards? Of course, because I watched disaster with them and now I watched the story come full circle, but it's always been kind of a cautionary tale for me, right? And that's just yes. a quick personal example, but everybody has those money, money impressions from their youth 
that they, that they don't even realize that they're carrying now. And then it's not even from your youth or your past. It's also our culture and what we see and perceive and what we think we're supposed to do. I mean, I am, I actually did the, the Dave Ramsey, Rachel Cruz, uh, cut all my credit cards right before COVID hit. Uh, That wasn't nerve wracking at all. (laughs) Why did I do this? But, um, but again, like trying to get control and trying to be like, realize that like, I don't need it. It's this crutch that is just going to keep sucking me down this hole. And I need to, I need to get a handle on it and I need to be able to figure out how to budget better and how to like pay off my bills and to see a future and like prepare for that future. Like I don't have a runway. I have like a field. So I need, (laughs) (laughs) so I want to build a runway and, uh, yeah. And so, um, I love, I love your analogies. I'm like, I want to write all, I'm writing all these down as we talk. (laughs) Yeah. I have a field and like a broken down crop (laughs) crop duster, but you know, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I I definitely found, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I love, I love that you found Dave Ramsey. And so something like a question I get a lot is, well, like, which one do I like, do I do Dave Ramsey or do I do Susie Orman or do I do Ramit Sethi or do I do, you know, and there, there are some incredible experts in, in the personal finance field, right? There mm-hmm. are, and, and a lot of them, they have slightly differing philosophies and that's okay. The, the answer to that question I always tell clients is you find the method that works for you that you know resonates with you it's 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 with your value system it it you know it aligns with how you are and your behaviors and something that you know you can achieve mm-hmm. right so yeah. um i love that you found dave ramsey and that dave ramsey works for you i think his systems can they have some incredible incredible value um yeah you- i definitely i mean too say what sorry you listen to chris hogan ever he part I- of the he's part Oh yeah. Every now and then. So Dave kind of scares me. Um, he, (laughs) he's super intimidating. So I actually like his daughter, Rachel is a little bit like, like nicer and that, you know, like, I'm like, don't scold me, David. I know, I know I did these things, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah. Um, but I think, I think I still have, you know, there's so much to be learned. And I feel like also when you're going through, like he has the baby steps program. So, you know, you're supposed to cut up your credit cards and you're supposed to pay off a bill every month and you celebrate the little wins and snowball and all of that, those things. And I think that's really great. Um, for some of us that takes a little bit of time to get to the point where you you start like feeling like you're actually making a difference. Uh, And, and then like, I think for me, I'm like, fascinated. I definitely want to dig in deeper. I will probably reach out to you because like this idea where I still see, I still catch myself falling back into old money patterns of Mm -hmm. like fear of not having fear, you know, and like, and all these things. And I think, why, why can't I be more secure? And like, why can't I see like, what, what, what do I need to do to like change this? And, uh, yeah. I, this is a very, this is so common. And one, one thing that I, one thing I tell clients when, when you feel those scripts coming up of like, like, let's, let's, let's take the one of, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Immediately. You have to visibly, you have to, you have to acknowledge it's the first step you have to go. Okay. I am having this negative thought right now. Like it's bubbling up. I'm having this doubt of I'm going to run out of money. Oh my God. What am I going to do? The whole world's ending. 
If you have that thought, acknowledge it as step one, and then immediately go, what's the reality? The truth is really, really, if you ran out of money, would you die tomorrow? No, you're not going to die. Are you going to be homeless? Probably not. Are you not going to make it? Probably not. It's so funny how our mind goes to such the extreme of, oh my God, the whole world's going to explode. It's really not. Could it be a tough time? It may be. Are you up for the challenge? Of course you are because you've had tough times in the past. So it's taking that negative, whatever the thought is, in our case, it was, I'm going to run out of money. And instead of thinking, okay, well, I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to be a complete failure and I'm going to fall off the cliff. I'm going to die tomorrow. Oh my God. And we go down the spiral. (laughs) Instead of that, it flip it immediately to, even if I did run out of money, I know how to make more because I'm smart and I'm capable and I have figured it out before. Okay. So that's the first step um, is just acknowledging and flipping. And then I would also urge you for the long-term and not, not you, I mean, and anybody listening for the long-term, we're never there once and for all. I think, I think even people who are multi, multi, multi-millionaires, or even let's take another example, someone who loses weight and then they're in the maintenance mode, you're always managing. We never reach this peak state of, I've made all the money and I have the perfect budget and I, everything is, life is, it's just, I have arrived. That's it. End scene. Like it doesn't, it's not a movie. I would, it's always, it's going to keep going. And so it's, I think these thoughts of even when you've gotten somewhere really, really great in life, then you go into maintenance mode. So even when you've conquered the negative thought and you feel really good, like you feel like you're in a good mental headspace, there's still maintenance to keep yourself there. So mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like totally, it, it, totally. You have to keep reinforcing. It's like it's like to keep reinforcing. You know, yeah. like going back to the diet uh analogy, it's like you like when you're diet it's like you you can't just go then sit and stare at a bunch of donuts. I mean like you need to keep you need to keep like keeping yourself like inspired to cook like healthy food and find yeah. new recipes and, and exercise and do all the things like you, you don't just exactly. reach that goal and then that's it. It's, it's not stagnant, which I think is really, that's just a hard thing in life, right? Like we want it to end, you know, end scene cut, you know, okay, we made it, you know, like we want to reach the goal and that's it. Like we, we and why it's just that? not like, it isn't life. It isn't life at all. And if you're living towards that kind of a life, yeah. you're going to end up in that graveyard. I think you're yeah. going to end up in that graveyard with those, with those ghosts. You know, and I, 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 that's something I struggled with that growing up. Like I remember thinking when I get to Notre Dame, everything will be perfect. When I get out of the Navy, everything will be perfect. When I move to Philly, everything, you know. When, when you get married. All, when, I get, when you get married, when you get all those. Yeah, it, I have been guilty of that in the past. And it's one of these concepts I've, I've really had to work on in myself too, of no, life continues. And that's the, that's the exciting part of it. Of course, it's not going to be once and for all done. And quite frankly, I don't want it to end scene right now. Like I'm, yeah. I, so I got a lot of living to do. Right. And that's so when you know, that work in progress. Yeah. And that's when you know, you're actually living when you realize that when you have that moment, when you're no longer like stressed that you, you can't get to the end scene when you're finally just like, Oh my God, this, this moment right here is awesome. And the next, this one's great too. And wait, this one's really awesome too. Like yeah. that's, that's when you really engage in your life. And that's when you know, you're living from a passionate, engaged, like, you know, abundant place. 
versus this scarcity of like, oh, I've got to hurry, 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 reach the goal, you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. But I really, I, you know, I think the money thing though, this is so interesting. I mean, um, so t like you do coaching for um, lots of different people and mm -hmm. what, what does that look like and how can people reach out to you? Like Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, so people can go to my website. Uh, it's katymile.com. Um, and I offer a few different things I have. I do offer individualized one-on-one -on -one coaching and there, I, there are a few different coaching packages available. Um, my flagship course, the Armored Agent online course, it's eight modules, um, self-paced. And what we do primarily, there's a lot of work up front where we dig into your numbers. And as a number nerd, I'm like, bring it on. It's so fun. Okay. But we get it out of the way early because I want clients to face the music fast. I want them to see where am I today with my money? And mm -hmm. then we take that and we go really deep into mindset. There are modules. Um, the modules are all about limiting scripts, identifying your driving purpose and your driving, creating an, an environment that's going to set you up for success. It's all, um, it's, it's tackling those internal factors that affect the outflow of your money. So mm. katymile.com, that's where people can find me for one-on-one -on -one coaching or to, to uh, reach that course. Um, and then uh, Instagram, I can, I can send you all this too, but Instagram, I'm katie underscore mild as well. I love uh, engaging there and on YouTube. That so. is awesome. No, I'll definitely share this in all the show notes and everything. Um, sure. And so, okay, um, if you, what is your biggest advice uh, or piece of advice to someone who, let's say, so a lot of people who are listening to this are like flipping their dreams or thinking of flipping their dreams and they may not have their runway. They may still be in still the be field. Um, what, what are, um, what's some of your, uh, like, I guess, best advice for, for being like creating a successful future? Starting okay. So like no joke. I wrote down, I, I don't know if you, I wrote down three tips, like, like top three tips that I would give people and no joke. I don't know if you can see this on my screen, but number one is build your runway up first. <laughs> Yay. Yes. And, and, and it's, and, and it's, 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 it's so important for a few different reasons. I mean, it's for me, I know going into when I made my first jump, right. Knowing I had six months in the bank gave me a peace of mind of, okay, I can focus all of my attention on building out my real estate dream because I know my lights aren't going to get turned off and I can put food on the table. Okay. So I would advise as much runway as you possibly can. Now, there may be people who have made the jump and don't have the runway. That's okay. What I would advise at this point then is what can you do to generate some level of income to bring in your basic expenses? Um, there are two financial stats and we talk about this in the armored agent course, but there are two financial stats that I urge every independent contractor to know immediately and have at the ready. One is your net worth. Net worth is all your assets minus all your liabilities quick, simple number. It gives you a really quick snapshot of where you stand. And the second one is what I call your possibility quotient. It's your PQ. And your PQ is the space between your income and your expenses. And all you need for that is your budget because you can very quickly see, is your income plan 
playing nicely with your expenses or are they at odds? Based, do you have enough income to cover or not? And you have to know the answer to those, that mm -hmm. question. So calculate your PQ, calculate your net worth. If you haven't started yet, build up as much runway as possible. I also advise all independent contractors, they need to have what I call an ebbs and flows account. And what this is, so we talk about, um, everybody knows what an emergency savings account is, right? The rainy day fund, mm -hmm. but an ebbs and flows account is for those lean months when you know you're not going to make a lot of money, right? So in real estate, for example, traditionally, and some markets are different, but traditionally, realtors don't make as much money in December, January, February, right? A lot of people, it's, again, it depends on your market, but a lot of people don't want to be buying a house over the holiday season, mm -hmm. okay? So if you know that's coming and you know, okay, my minimum expenses every month are three grand, go ahead and work towards building an ebbs and flows account that has a couple months worth of extra expenses in the bank. Okay. So you can pull from that account to cover those lean months. So that's in addition to your emergency fund. If yes. you get to know me in coaching, I'm all about lots of different accounts. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So definitely have an ebbs and flows account. And then my third tip really quick, automate as much as possible and always pay yourself first your retirement, even when it feels like you're not making anything, we didn't even get into this today, but your retirement should be your number one priority. So even if you open an account and you can only put in like 10 bucks a month to start, do it and open it. Because one day, one day we all want to retire. And I firmly believe everybody has the right to a dignified and abundant retirement, but you have to go earn it now. You have to get to work now to reap that benefit later. Mm. That is such good advice. And I also think like for those people, like I'm sort of in a hybrid of, I still have the dog, I have the day job mm -hmm. that's paying bills and covering expenses, but I'm also working on my passion projects around that, which means I'm pretty tired all the time, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, actually it's, it's really fabulous, but it does mean there's a trade-off. Like if you, you know, for some people, it might not be the time you might need to double up. It's like going to college at night and weekends while you're working full time. Like, you know, you might, you might need to do the work, put in the res the time and the resources and the effort to get where you can finally build up your runway and, and be able to right. like launch fully into that passion dream life that you, that you desire. And it doesn't mean that it just cause it's not going to happen tomorrow. Doesn't mean like it's never going to happen. It just, right. it's, it's not, no, it's not yet. Right. Like, ooh, I like that. It, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I heard that somewhere. I can't even take, I heard that from someone can't take credit, but it's, um, it's true. It's just not yet. Right. And that's yeah. it's okay. You know, my father-in-law, he years and years and years ago to put himself through his undergraduate degree, he didn't want to go into debt. And so he went to school for a semester, worked for a semester, went to school. It took him seven years to get his undergraduate degree. And, but he came out debt-free. And he's, he's an engineer and he loves what he does to this day. And he's never, you know, looking back on it, even all these years later, he's never regretted just slowing down and doing things on his timeline. He had a plan. It worked for him. He worked a financial plan that was his and he owned it and it worked. So don't be afraid to do things the way that you have to, to make it work. That's okay. Yeah. I love that. I love also, again, it goes back to this, this don't compare your journey with anyone else's because yeah. 
Like everyone is different and your timeline and your plan is going to be different than someone else's. And yes. so don't get discouraged by looking at someone who's further, who you perceive is further ahead of you. Um, they may not be in some areas, they may be way behind you. So just like knowing, just, just run your, you know, it goes back to, um, a previous podcast episode, run your own race. You know, you really have to just, Oh, I love that. Yeah. Do, I love just that. Follow, follow your own. Follow your own. It's so yeah. true. It's so true. Okay, wait. So we, we're like nearing, we're at the, like nearing the end of our time together, which is sad. I can't believe that. That flew by. <laughs> I know. It really did. Um, so I want to hear your quote for the week. Oh, okay. So yeah, my favorite quote. So that, that Les Brown one earlier, what's funny is I didn't think about that until we were having our conversation, but that, that one I think about a lot because again, it's this having the, the duty and the obligation to give your dreams life. But the one I wrote down, and this is like my other favorite go-to it's by uh, James Lane Allen. And it is the vision you glorify in your mind, the ideal you enthrone in your heart, this you will build your life by, and this you will become. I, I firmly believe what we think, what we think becomes reality. And it's, I know it can sound so hokey and I know it can sound so contrived, but the truth is what we think up here consistently, it drives all of our actions out into the world. So a hundred percent. Everything. So whatever you are holding in your mind as your ideal, guard it and love on it and nurture it and then get to work Mm -hmm. to make it happen. Oh, I love that so much. I wholeheartedly believe that. I think that each and every day, the the active um, the act of actively capturing negative thoughts or limiting thoughts about yourself are like you know oh I can't do that or someone else has done or whatever you know all that crap that we tell ourselves. Right. The more we can like let that go and then have that vision of where we want to be and work towards that and like cheer yourself on, be your own cheerleader. Sometimes mm-hmm. you you have to be. You have to tell yourself, God, you're really rocking this. You're doing great. You know, like whatever, if you're not hearing it, tell it to yourself because you are. And, um, and, and you will, I really do believe that it makes you successful. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. This is such a, another really inspiring conversation. And I am so, oh my gosh, this this is is so fun. Yes. And um, I will share everything about Armored Agent and your website and all the things to connect to you um, in show notes. And I'll also probably do a little digging in too, maybe reach out to you uh, uh, separately as well as, uh, you know, we're all on this journey, even though I'm, I'm hosting this, so we're, we're all figuring things out. So we are, we are, I would, I would love that Heather. And I think, I think your story is so amazing and so inspiring and so cool. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Wow. What a great episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful to have you here and, uh, I hope you as well are excited about thinking wherever you're at on your financial journey of beginning to build your runway or fortify it. Um, I just love Katie's positive outlook. Uh, on money and just that this was a great chat for me. So I hope you enjoyed as well. And uh, thank you for listening to episode 20. We will do our retro next week and uh, then look forward to moving into the next 10 episodes. So I hope 
you get a chance to check out any episodes that you haven't heard already. Um, and until next time, keep on dreaming. Don't forget, it's never too late to transform your past and empower your future. Thank you again for listening to Flipping Dreams. Mm-hmm.